Thank you for downloading this sermon from Holy Trinity Reformed Church. If you live in the vicinity of Mooresville, Indiana, come join us as we rebuild Christ's Holy Church out of the ash heaps of American fundamentalism and evangelicalism through repentance, revival, and reformation. If you would like more information about Holy Trinity Reformed Church, or if you do not live in our area, but would like to support this ministry, please visit our website at reformedholytrinity.org. Luke chapter 15, we'll begin reading in verse 11. Notice though, before we begin, there are three parables in this chapter. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost, lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And so we're going to begin reading verse number 11, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Then Jesus said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Some translations may say riotous living. Some may say loose living. But he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the husks that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, 
I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son, but soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. I had a little trouble not getting derailed in reading the scripture, um, and it was hard to make, uh, not make some comments in passing as we was reading down through there, talking about the famine. And so I guess there was global or climate change long before uh, the 21st century because they were suffering a famine here in this story. And uh, then, you know, with all the dancing and so forth, I guess they weren't Baptist either. And so there were uh, several things going on here to, that was hard not to make some kind of a passing remark on. But there have been many titles given to this parable of Jesus. The most infamous is the title, The Prodigal Son. The reason for this title is because of the use of the word prodigal in verse 13, where it says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Now, some translations have tried to translate it in a way to help us understand what it means here, like with uh, loose living or riotous living. But the word prodigal simply means to be given to extravagant expenditures. In other words, being wasteful. So he was... It was wasteful living. Of course, if you use it as a noun, it's one that spends money extravagantly or without necessity. A spendthrift, a waster. However, most translations actually have the title, The Parable of the Lost Son, or the Lost Son. This is a more accurate title because chapter 15 contains three parables of Jesus. First, the parable of the lost sheep. Second, the parable of the lost coin. And third, the parable of the lost son. Every parable and every story has a theme and a hero. Jesus' parables in Luke 15 are centered around the recovery of something lost which was the theme of Jesus' ministry because it is the theme of his first advent. There's also the hero of the story, which is actually the father. Neither son in this story is the hero of the story. It's depicting a pharisaical culture in the older brother. And then with the younger brother, not only is it depicting the the publicans and sinners, but it's also depicting 
the Gentiles. Jesus was accused of many things because he ate and drank with sinners. And the reason is because he was seeking the lost. So this theme is born out uh, out in Luke 19 when Jesus was passing through Jericho and he interacted with a man named Zacchaeus who was a wee little man as the song goes. Or as the Bible says, he was short in stature. But he wanted to see Jesus, but due to the large crowds, he had to climb a sycamore tree just to be able to see Jesus pass by. Jesus acknowledged him and spoke to him, telling Zacchaeus that he must stay at his house. So he told him, get out of that tree, come on, I must stay at your house. The man who was in attendance, who was the, one of the most despised by the Jews. But the Bible records that Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received Jesus joyfully. Now what you need to know about Zacchaeus was that he was a social pariah. He was a chief tax collector who was very rich. Two strikes against him, right? Common people don't like rich people. Common people don't like tax collectors. It was no different in the Jewish culture of that day, but even more so. Even worse. Because Jewish tax collectors in the first century were considered the scum of the earth by the Jews and viewed as traitors because they were collecting taxes for the Romans. So they were collecting taxes for Roman occupation. So think if we were overcome by China or Russia, and they were holding us in bondage, ruling over us, and your neighbor collaborates with them. And he goes around collecting the money for them. Not going to like that person very well, are you? So seeing this, the Jews complained, saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. This was true whenever Jesus dealt with other publicans. This was true when Jesus dealt with prostitutes and harlots. And it was the Pharisaical Jews who were always condemning this man. If this man knew what kind of a woman that was, he would not let her wash his feet. But... Jesus declares to Zacchaeus basically what is declared all throughout his ministry in all these types of situations, and that is this. Today, salvation has come to this house. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so wherever Jesus was, salvation was there, and it was present. And so Jesus says, today, salvation has came to your house, Zacchaeus. 
For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, Zacchaeus knew he was lost and he acknowledged it. And he repented in faith toward Jesus. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus told the disgruntled Pharisees at another time, I came not to call the righteous or those who think they are righteous, right? What does the Bible say? There are none righteous, right? So we have to understand, you know, Jesus is implying when he's talking to the Pharisees, that is a sarcastic statement when he says to them, I didn't come to call the righteous. Because they weren't righteous. Jesus told his disciples, yeah, they make a boast of the law, but they don't keep the law. What is sin? Sin's the transgression of the law. So they were sinners. So I didn't come to call the righteous. The implication is the self-righteous. Those who think they are righteous. But he says, I came to call sinners to repentance. The reason why the Pharisees didn't like Jesus because they didn't want to be called to repentance. They didn't want to acknowledge that they were sinners. They didn't want to acknowledge that all of their righteousness were as filthy rags, no better than all the other scum of the earth that they called sinners. The Advent message we find in Matthew chapter 1 in the glorious proclamation of the birth of Jesus Christ is that Mary will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Paul said it this way in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This was a problem that goes all the way back through the history of Israel. And that is this. Is that the shepherds of Israel were not looking to save anyone. The Pharisees didn't care about the publicans and the harlots and the sinners. They didn't care about the Samaritans. They didn't care about the Gentiles. They were not seeking to save anybody. And so, Ezekiel the prophet, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, declared the word of the Lord to the shepherds of Israel... By saying in Ezekiel 34, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? That's the problem we have going on today, right? Every one of those turkeys nearly that you turn on TV, on religious broadcasting, they feed themselves. But shouldn't shepherds Feed the flocks? 
And then it goes on, it says, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, you, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. And so then, after the pronouncement of woe upon the false shepherds of Israel... It's prophesied then in Ezekiel thirty four eleven, for thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on high mountains, on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. And then it says this. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Therefore, Jesus in his first advent declares in John chapter 10 and verse 11, I am the good shepherd. What is he saying? I am the Lord God manifested in the flesh. Similar statement, I am that I am. I am the good shepherd. I am that good shepherd that was prophesied in the Old Testament. God manifested in the flesh to seek and to save that which was lost. He goes on to say, The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So with that... We return to our text. Jesus here is making a statement about reclaiming the lost with these three parables. Here in the parable of the lost son, he is not telling every truth. Just as in each parable, there are different truths that are being stated. 
But he's telling a specific truth here in his first advent and also a specific truth about his first advent. Notice, first of all, the message, the advent message in the parable. First of all, it's a message to prodigals. It's a message to lost sons. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. This was a father and his son. Just like we have the story of Adam, who was created. Now, Jesus is the only begotten son of God, because he was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit. But Adam was made in the likeness of God, in the image of God, out of the ground that the Lord God had created. And so Luke, as he gives the genealogy of Jesus, and it goes all the way back to Adam, it says that He was the son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, son of, all the way to the son of Adam, the son of God. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Isaiah declares, O Lord, you are our father, we are the clay. You are our potter, and we are the work of your hand. In Acts chapter 17, Paul declares that God's made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not very far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said for we are also his offspring for as much then as we are the offspring of God Paul says you see this story of this son and his father is a similar story. It is the story of mankind. It's the story of the world. God created Adam in his image, but Adam was a prodigal. Just like this son in this story. And it says in verse 13 in Luke 15, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, loose living, riotous living. He wasted it. He had everything. The Lord God created the heavens and the earth, and God saw that it was good. It was perfect. And it was given to Adam. What Adam do? He wasted it. Why? Because he was a prodigal. But notice 
the end of what happens. It says, after he spent all, there arose a severe famine, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. This was the lowest job that a Jew could ever have, because swine were considered to be unclean. They were not supposed to eat it. And even the touching of it, they had to go through cleansing ceremonies. And yet, what has he become? The lowest of the low. Feeding swine. But not only that, if he could have, he would have gladly ate the food that they were given to the swine given to the hogs. Yep, that's how far he had fell. Just like that's how far man has fell. Our iniquity separated us from our God. Our sins have hidden his face from us so that he will not hear. That's what happened, right? When Adam disobeyed, When he was told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if he did, he would surely die. But yet he ate, and the Lord said to him, Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles. It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust you shall return." For the wages of sin is death. Paul writes, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Paul also writes, We have previously charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. What is sin? Sin is the transgression of the law. Whoever commits sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3, 4. In other translations, it says, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Second, notice Advent is a message about a father's love. Notice when the young man returned, and he had this, scripted statement that he was going to make. And so he was going to come back and tell his father he was not worthy to be his son, make him as one of his hired servants, because at least his servants were taken care of, right? But it says, as he was making his journey back, the father saw him. That's the father's kind of love. He was always looking for him every day to return. Constantly. His mind, his attention was fixated in the midst of everyday life, in the midst of work. He was still aware. He had a conscious awareness of looking for his son to return. This Advent Advent, excuse me, is a story about a father's love. And notice, 
says he was a great way off. His father saw him, had compassion on him. And after he went through his statement about he sinned against heaven and in his father's sight and am no longer worthy to be called his son, how did the father respond? He didn't respond by saying, I told you so. You bum. He said to his servants, hey, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand to show that he's my son. Put the signet ring on him. Put sandals on his feet. And then bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. And this is what he says in relation to that response. He says, for this my son was dead. Yet when you go off to the far country, when you go off into sin, it's the same as being dead. It's why Paul says that we were born dead in trespasses and sins. He said, my son was dead, but he is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then notice that this is a warning also to the self-righteous in what we see in the older son. The older son is angry about it. Because the older son is self-righteous. He even makes some self-righteous statements that... I've never disobeyed you, and I've been this perfect son, and all this kind of stuff, and this bum comes back, and you're treating him better than me. And of course, Father said, you know, everything I had was yours. You wasn't without. You had all of this. So, what is it to you? All I have is yours. But then he says, it was right that we should make merry and be glad because your, father, your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. See, ultimately, the Advent message is the gospel message that it is time to come home. And still yet today, in our dispositions and makeup, in our language, because by the way, you can't speak the English language without speaking Christianity except for the things they're trying to do today in changing the language. But you can't. Advent and Christmas throughout our history has always been about what? Coming home. Coming home. Jesus came In his first advent, as he was born of the Virgin Mary, he came into the world to bring us home, to bring us back to the Father, to reconcile us back to God. Advent is a message that it is time to come home, that the Father will forgive and receive you unto himself if you can just get back home. Now, Jesus is simply making a few points here in this specific parable, just as in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin in the beginning of the chapter. But in the 
beginning of the chapter with the lost sheep and the lost coin, there's two statements that are very important in understanding this whole chapter here. In verse number 7, concerning the lost sheep, Jesus says, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then in verse 10, concerning the lost coin, he says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. In relation to the lost son, in this parable, we do not have that type of a concluding statement, but we have a couple of statements within the story to give conclusion to it. But the point is made in the conclusion of the story to the disgruntled brother who is not happy or concerned about the return of his lost brethren. He says, it was right that we should be merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. In all three of these parables, there is an emphasis on rejoicing because of the lost being found. Rejoicing because a sinner has come home. And so in the story of the lost son, there is a sinner who is separated from his father because of his sin. From his home because of his sin. There is a loving father who is waiting for the son to return who will welcome him, receive him, and restore him. There is also a self-righteous brother who is not at all concerned about the restoration of the lost. He is a selfish and self-righteous individual. And yes... In the advent of Christ and in the gospel message, you have all of those things. But there is so much more. Because you might be wondering how to get back home, how to return to the Father. You may have tried many times over and over and over again, but you keep failing. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that you can't get back on your own. Your sins have separated you from God past the point of return. But that is why they call this the Advent story, the greatest story ever told. Because God sent his only begotten son to find you and bring you home. Not only is he a loving father that is seeking to restore you back unto himself, but he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to find you and return you home. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. 1 John chapter 4, and this, the love of God, was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Are you ready to come home to the Father? Are you tired of prodigal living separated from God? Our loving Father in his great kindness has sent us a Savior to bring us home. He has prepared a home for us called the church. He has ordained means of grace in the word, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper and the brotherhood of the saints in discipleship and discipline. So how do you get back to the Father's house? 
Well, Peter, or excuse me, this is declared in the book of Acts in conclusion to Peter's sermon to those Jews who had crucified Jesus. And as conviction fell upon them, Peter says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And then Luke goes on to write, And with many other words he did testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this uh, uh, forward, untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. We are told that God has raised up his son Jesus and sent him to bless us in turning us away from our iniquities. Paul says, That even when we were in bondage under the elements of the world, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The Apostle John says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So the question is really this to all lost Sons, to all sinners, to all the lost sons of Adam, will you come to your senses or will you reject the love of the Father in sending Jesus Christ to turn you away from your sin unto God? You see, Advent is all about the gospel. Advent is all about Jesus Christ coming into the world to save sinners. God sending Jesus Christ to rescue you. God has sent us a Savior. God has given us the means of grace. God has done everything possible for us to come home. All we have to do is reach out. Jesus will take us by the hand and will lead us home. As the song from the 90s says, just reach out and he'll reach in. Take your broken heart and make it whole again. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Even in spite of our rebellion and sin, in spite of our going away, Even though we were lost because of our own fault, yet you did not leave us, but you sent Jesus Christ to rescue us. May we look to him, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen.